Hello, Edgy Gladiators. Marlena here. And we are back with another podcast. And I am super honored tonight, or for some of you, maybe this afternoon, if you're where our guest is from, to have none other than Zachary Jean's Impact Matters Guru. And you probably were in that chat. Uh, if you were, if you know what's good, you were in that chat because he has an amazing chat on Monday, Monday evenings about, uh, well, about lots of things. So tell everybody hello, Zachary. Hey, so yeah, I'm Zachary Jeans, and uh, yeah, so Marlena was very gracious to have me on Edgy Gladiator. Edgy Gladiator. Ah, how do you say that? Edgy Gladiators, right? Yeah, you're like a gladiator, but you're doing it with education. Um, I have a similar chat on Mondays uh, in the sense that we meet on Twitter and then we have a video conversation with our guests. Um, but our chat is around leadership, but leadership in all kinds of areas. Um, for instance, tonight we were talking about stigmas, stigmas in the workplace and specifically about mental health. Uh, but we might talk about leading with compassion or how do you listen uh, inside your organization, uh, like active listening or something like that. So, uh, yeah, so we lead that community every Mondays. It's an extension from an, uh, a chat that I used to co-host with Dan Forbes called Lead with Giants. And uh, we've been going since September 26 when Lead with Giants uh, passed on to uh, into the sunset um, after four and a half years. Awesome, awesome. So we were also honored as Edu Gladiators to have Zachary lead our chat this past Saturday. And Zachary was really great uh, about providing thoughtful questions about staying on target. So Zachary, can you give us a little uh, insight as to why you chose that topic for Edu Gladiators? And it was amazing, by the way. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, so staying on target. So occasionally, I actually host my own chat. So, um, you know, it's community, so I always have guests, but occasionally I have a subject that I really want to get after. And staying on target is one that um, hit home hit home for me here about, I don't know, about three, four months ago. And, uh, and staying on target is just that idea that you're progressing towards your goals. And oftentimes, um, I don't know about you, but um, I'll achieve some success. And then... I'll just kind of hope that you're kind of drifting towards the rest of it. And, and really that's, you're drifting away. You know, at least I am. And so I really wanted to get after this concept of how do you stay on target? How do you stay focused on the things which you already know are important to you? You're already achieving some success in probably, but how do you keep right at that? And for, you know, edu gladiators, you know, teachers, administrators, uh, folks who work in with kids, um, that's something that can kind of get swirled around during the school year, right? Um, there's the testing or there might be the various snow days that get you off focus or, you know, you get up towards a vacation and then everybody gets all squirrely and wants to leave and they're not focused. And so you as an educator or an administrator have to stay on focus. So, yeah, I was really happy we could explore that. Well, let me tell you, Zachary, it was a very popular topic, very popular chat uh, for edgy gladiators because you're right, whether you're in corporate or you're in uh, education, um, definitely in the education realm, it's hard to stay on target when you are bombarded sometimes with so many other responsibilities and, and things that you just have to do. So I love the very first question of what does staying on target uh, mean to you or your organization? 
And I would just love uh, to, if you can just explore a little bit more about, about that question. You bet. So in my line of work, um, for instance, so like I advise tech companies, mostly in the Salesforce ecosystem. Salesforce is like a like software platform, kind of like Microsoft or what have you. And uh, one of my clients is GeoPoint. And GeoPoint is a mapping software. It takes all your data about you know your clients or whatever, and it puts it on Google Maps. And so when I'm working with, say, GeoPoint, um, a lot of what I'm doing is uh, self-directed. So I'm trying to come alongside them and assist them. And as we're going through the business year, um, we'll come up on conferences. And it's up to me, it's up to me to be self-aware because they're going to ask me. Um, if they have to ask me, then I'm in trouble because that means I'm not doing my job. So I have to set little micro goals along the way, right? Um, I like to use old-fashioned three-by-five cards. I have some on my desk. Oh and my every day I write down a little list of the most important things that I need to do with them, right? Things that I need to do with my Impact Matters community. So just simple list writing, but not just list writing like, hey, I'm going to spend today ideating, right? I'm not just going to like whiteboard my life and then go, man, that felt great. I'm going to go do something else now. But literally checking them off right going down the list and being forceful about that um, <clears throat> staying on target for me means not being satisfied as I mentioned earlier with medium term success and you know little success we always know there's much more to do so we kind of keep going but it's when you hit that middle layer we're like yeah pretty good I, you know I'm probably doing as good or better than a lot of folks around me uh, maybe I'll just kinda, you know what I mean? And then yeah. it's like you kind of back off, you start to find other things, family or this and that that takes your time and you don't keep going. And, and so for me, it means not being satisfied with good. Um, you know, like Jim Collins book, uh, good to great. It's like, but seeking after that next layer, right? Being willing to push yourself forward. Absolutely. And so for those of you that are joining in live right now, you can actually click the live chat feature uh, and actually post your questions for Zachary and he can answer those. So if you see me glancing down, I'm checking our live feed and want to be sure that we are able to uh, ask those questions to you, Zachary, so folks can hear directly from the Impact Matters guru himself. Um, so one of the questions that we had on Saturday that you posed to the group was about goal setting. And I am, and I know a lot of a lot of leaders in education tend to be very uh, vision driven, which I think is very very important. But to follow up with an action plan, I think is is super important. So, how does goal setting um, work? How do we really? What are your favorite tips for either methods or means or mindsets to really help goal setting complement the vision setting? Sure, sure. So I was a big fan of goals when I was uh, growing up. I, I got really hooked on on that. And um, one thing that I've realized over life is that goals are are like points out in the horizon, right? They're like you see up there on the hill and you want to hike up and you can see the trail in front of you, but you aren't exactly sure how that trail is going to go between you know where you're at there and when you crest the hill. And so goals are knowing that there are these waypoints along the way and you know a little bit of information about what it looks like because you looked at the map, you know that there's gonna be a waterfall or there might be a steep area that you gotta go up at some point. 
and and that's that's goal setting it's it's understanding the lay of the land in general and and picking points to walk towards to and 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 not feeling like you have to summit the entire hill um, with the with your first effort it's it's taking small chunks and and breaking it down and walking towards those you know that there's there are folks that do goal setting in the military uh, there's a number of books written by folks in the like say the Navy SEALs and and any of those special forces type folks that go in these extreme situations yes well what really makes them any more special than another soldier and and really it has to do with the mental stuff they break down they break down big giant scary tough situations into minutes into seconds even how do I um, accomplish this next moment in this situation and um, and so you may not be in this pressurized situation in your classroom or in your workplace as is maybe in a war zone or in a you know a heavy negotiation situation but um, but in but when you do achieve um, these little micro moments it's celebrating those successes as you're walking forward to those waypoints that you've kind of laid out and mapped um, but important part to goal setting I think is to realize that life is messy and that it's okay to have the destination out there and to adjust where you're headed you know you don't have to like lock in on I will stand on that rock up there you might stand over there in the field next to it it it's okay to kind of shift as you're going and um, and 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 to give yourself permission to do so um, not every time do you shift direction is it like giving up it might just be I you got a little bit farther down and you realize you wanted to go somewhere else so yeah I love that I love that because sometimes we feel like um, especially for educators that yeah. If we don't reach our goals, that we failed. Either we yes. failed ourselves, well, or we failed measuring, right? Do what now? Well, a lot of a lot of education, right? You got a syllabus. Right. You have course requirements, and you want everybody to learn. But at the end of the year, that syllabus, you will get to the end of it, or you won't, right? And so you got to push through. And it's kind of scary, right? If you aren't accomplishing, you know the the really uh, the core, the soul of that syllabus. You're just checking boxes, and then you feel like, "Wow, did did this year really go how I had hoped it to go?" So, how important do you think it is? And I know that you're not a teacher per se, but we we all teach everyone. Sure. Uh, how important do you think it is for us to teach our students how to set goals? What would be the yeah. impact on that? Well, I look. <clears throat> hopefully. Hopefully, the whole whole point that we get out of our education is that we start to become self-learners because we live in a world where more and more nobody's just going to say, hey, do X, Y, and Z at this job, and then you'll matriculate up just like you did through school. Um, it's really teaching them to set personal goals for, for learning and growth, and that once they get into a pattern of the joy of, of learning something or achieving something that they realize, hey, that, that the ancillary um, credit that I get is that, oh, I got a decent grade in class. But really the joy, what they really get out of it is that I, I learned something, I, I achieved a new direction. Because when you, when you gather that understanding, that's what will make you successful in college. That's what will make, make you successful in, in any job you go into. Um, it's the desire, um, imparting that desire that I like to say, um, 
a good leader doesn't make a person drink the water. A good leader makes um, helps a person become thirsty. And Ooh, so um, like you want to create a thirst or a hunger. And, and then once that's there, then you can start serving up what, you know, what's, what's good to consume um, as a teacher. I love that. Um, you know, in the chat, you mentioned that when you talk about setting goals, you start with principles first. Yes. Can you share a little bit more about that whole concept? Yeah. So if you get the principles, and it kind of builds on what I just said, because that in a way is a principle, right? So a principle is a place from which you operate out, right? It, it has some components of it that, that create desire or um, it's why. It's the why you do something. So the what's are the goals and the why is the place, the principle from which you go out and try and achieve those things. And so getting at a person's curiosity, finding out what they love, that is the first and foremost thing that I'm interested in. I want to get to know who they are and why they are. Once I know that, then me as a teacher, and I love to teach, it's, it's a matter of me discovering, okay, now I know why, now I know what, now I just have to serve up the opportunities that are going to allow them to walk forward and learn. So yeah, it's, it's discovering the principles. Um, if you, if, if I am not naturally curious about something I'm doing for work, then I know I'm in trouble mm -hmm. because then it's really going to become work. <laughs> you know, if, if you're naturally curious about something, then you're just, you know, chugging along and then all of a sudden, oh, well, I guess that's done, that project. But if I'm not curious, if I'm not in love with it, then, then there's something going on in my heart or maybe I need to shift. Maybe I need to shift my attention, right, towards something else to do. Great point. How important is it to have positivity in, when you're setting goals and surrounding yourself with positivity? Yeah, for sure. So like the world's a tough place. And I think, you know, we're at this weird place and, um, you know, at least from what I'm hearing, you know, I have a son, he's 12. Uh, he's in an academy, so he actually does school from here. Um, but, you know, in his groups and stuff, and I've talked to other folks, um, I hear a lot of like, well, we want to create barriers around kids. There's so much bullying. There's so much cyberbullying. But then there are certain environments where they aren't allowed to face um, negative consequences. And some of that's not good because, yeah, we want to cut out the negative stuff that's like the cyberbullying. But we also, you know, we don't want everybody to get a version of an A because they tried. Right. Um, it, that's really scary because when you show up at work and and you're offered and I've heard hear these stories all the time I talk to hundreds and hundreds of people in the tech and business um, world every year go around the world about 24 conferences a year and and I hear things like you know oh well we hired we hired somebody good degree good school and then they decided that they were going to do three of the ten things that we said they needed to do for their first you know job like they just thought it was up to them. Like, mm -hmm. oh, I'll just do those because I want to do those. I don't want to do those. And it's like, holy cow, like what world are we living in, right? But then they get some negative feedback like, hey, you need to do all 10. And they think, oh, I'm out of here. This isn't a job for me. And uh, that's, that's sadly that, you know, that only lasts for so long, you know, in a highly competitive world. Right. Um, <laughs> 
right? <laughs> right, I mean, right. You kind of got to, I get it. I mean, maybe it's the wrong job for you, but I think it's more like, yeah, in school, I could just kind of tell my teacher, you know, I'll do these three things really good and these other things I'm not going to do and I'll just pass. Right. But that's not how the tech business world works. That's Either not how the world works. <laughs> or you don't, right? Yes. And yes. You did it well, or you did it bad. And if you did it bad, you probably won't get another job there or another project. Well, you know, as, as an educator, probably, um, I know I'm preaching to the choir for those sure, that are sure. listening live right now or watching the replay, but when we talk about uh, keeping our kids protected from some of those negative consequences, I think that we are doing our kids a disservice because sure. when we try to protect them from that, we remove the opportunity for reflection and growth mm -hmm. from that process. Yeah, what do you think about like the importance of reflection when you're when you talk about staying on target and also about goals? So so I do this in my life. Like there are times when I I don't come through for myself, you know, on on my goals, and um, I am always asking myself, you know, okay, what do I need to do better? You know, when my son, you know, he, you know, gets something wrong, you know, he's at that age where everything's like either the biggest deal in the world or it doesn't matter, and and when it's the biggest deal in the world, because he, you know, I said, look, you got to rewrite that, you know, you got to rewrite it, man. I can't read it. And it's like, oh no, you know, the world's ending. And it's like, I just stopped him short. I'm like, hey, stop, stop. This is not the world ending. This is rewriting a piece of paper. Okay. Let's put it in context. So a lot of it's, let's help our students. Let's help the people we're working with put things in context. And once they get a context, they take a deep breath, then it's a matter of helping them go, okay, well, why? Why? A lot of times, I think this whole reaction is just, look, I'm checking this box so I can move on to the next thing. And that's all that matters. And sadly, that's something to do with our whole syllabus, you know, let's get through the syllabus and matriculate thing, right? right. I mean, in a way, that's what we're teaching, right? Just pass through. And um, so, you know, it's, there's not an easy answer to that. So, well, and, and, you know, let me just say this too, Zachary, you're absolutely right. That's what, that's how it's been for a long time. It's like, let me get through my lessons. Let me get through my curriculum, you know, especially because there's a test. I got to get through it instead of really evaluating and reflecting if the students, first of all, learned it, how sure. well they mastered it. And what we're seeing right now, lately in the last, I'd say probably five to maybe five to eight years in education is this shift towards creativity and innovation. And it's really starting to pick up speed right now. Mm -hmm. And so teachers are having to change their practices. Districts are changing their practices sure. to give time for kids to think about a problem and not spoon feed the answer. And the kids, they have no stamina right. down because they're like, oh, this is too hard. Right. Well, and I'll tell you, so I just came back, let's see, it was about three weeks ago. I was in Austin for Salesforce uh, Foundation's Higher Ed Summit. And there were about 1,500 uh, university CIOs, uh, educators at this summit talking about not just the technology, not the platform per se, but the message which Salesforce and many of those organizations are trying to deal with, which is disruption and innovation of education. So a lot of universities, including some names that are really, really big, like Harvard University, 
the man who wrote the book on innovation, The Innovator's Dilemma, Clayton Christensen spoke, and he's, he teaches in the business school there. And Clayton, the way I saw Clayton teaching this whole concept of how organizations, how, how industries get disrupted is that they become top heavy and they become defensive and they don't um, want to change for a lot of reasons. And then a competitor will come along and serve a new need that they don't want to meet and they'll do it more effectively, right? And then mm -hmm. all of a sudden they don't they can't catch up. So he's talking to a bunch of contemporaries, universities and some uh, K through 12 folks. And he's saying, hey, I'm at Harvard Business School. We have a $35 billion endowment. I wrote a book about innovation. I'm teaching innovation right now to everyone. I'm a little bit concerned about us. So should you be? And everybody in the audience is like, yeah, like hitting, it's hitting them. Like, yeah, if Harvard's worried, we're worried. Like, and we need to change. And where does this all come from? Well, it comes from the fact that all of the regular everyday tasks, even technical tasks, are being automated now. Why? Well, because the processing power in a computer in a phone is more powerful than what we had in the space shuttle in the 80s. Okay, so like we're getting to the point where um, computers will write emails for you. So what is valuable? Well, creativity, right? Thinking through problems that computers can't naturally process, like they don't have the natural language processing to do yet. And, and coming up with stuff that is you individually sh contributing value, not checking off a menial task. So our education is woefully, this is the message from that summit, we are woefully behind in being able to teach this stuff because we don't know how to measure it. We don't think we're also serving an industry and a job market that, that is long is if it hasn't already passed is passing. Right. Right. And, so, and, and our, and, and we're kind of stuck. And so you see people looking for alternatives. And to be honest, that's why I've had Kierden in the, uh, the private education that he has here at home um, because I'm trying to teach him how to be an individual that, you know, logs in, engages with content, talks with his teachers, goes out, does stuff in the real world with people of all kinds of ages, you know, and uh, yeah, he's going to go to an academy probably for high school or, or middle school, but like uh, to get some more engagement uh, with uh, other math and science stuff. But like, that was really important to me. So I know I'm rambling, but no, it's good ramble. This <laughs> is good ramble. Corruption is going on. And, and I, when I'm talking with some of the university folks, they were asking me, like, Zach, could you come up and talk to us? I'm like, well, I talked to tech companies. They're like, yeah, but you're talking about innovation and disruption. This is a message we need to hear, you know? And so um, I think it's helpful for all of us, even if your district or your, your particular school isn't going to measure what you do, you're going to have an impact that matters for a long time in those students' lives, if you're training, if, if you get them through their subjects, but you're training them to think creatively, think through innovation, think about the world as it is, not as it was. I love that answer. I absolutely love that answer. And, and, and I do think that is definitely the call of, um, of Edgy Gladiators is to help usher in this whole new era, this whole new yeah. mindset of how we approach education. 
Um, we actually have a question. Sure. Zachary from Corey, who's listening in. Thank you, Corey. And I think it ties in great with what you were just talking about. Um, as a visionary, he says, when you know you own the virtuous path, how do you interact with functionaries who stand in your way? So whether it's corporate or whether you're working in a school and you're doing these cool innovative things and you just don't see it growing in your school or in your district, how do you work through those, uh, those that are standing in your way? Sure. So, and this is a, this is the issue with any change, right? So you can apply um, a new curriculum or you could apply a new technology to a company, but it's not usually the curriculum and it's not usually the technology that's the problem. It's a people thing. And, and so when you're dealing with people who don't want to change, first of all, recognize that we all don't want to change in certain areas of our lives. So we can always bring it home. Right. right. So have empathy for the other person. When you try to lead, what you are doing is showing a vision of the future by telling a story and inviting others to join you in going there to meet that need. So you see a need, you see an opportunity, you see a circumstance, and you tell a story about what that is in such a way that the people who are standing here and are afraid to move can begin to understand what it might look like to be there. Then you create, that's creating context, right? And then you dialogue. You don't say, okay, now move. What you say is, now can you tell me what you see from where you're standing? You begin to listen. And once you listen, you earn relational capital. And you can begin to spin that by speaking truth with love. Never just speak truth without love, because if you don't care about the other person, they aren't going to care about you. They aren't going to care about where they need to go. And it's also not helpful just to love the person and listen and uh, feel for them without speaking the truth. If you're telling them things they want to hear that aren't true, you aren't loving them. So you got to do both. And when you do this, <clears throat> what you find is you're going to have champions, people who are going to be advocates for you. You won't win everybody, but you build a coalition, a team. Little Lord of the Rings, you know, your your okay. people, right? Or whatever, your, your 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 squad. And what you do is you facilitate conversation with them and you empower them in their spheres to have change around them. And you'll get to a tipping point where the powers that be, right? Hopefully you'll begin to get that C level support or your administrative support at the top that will go, hey, we've got something here. Mm -hmm. And then you as a group and you as a leader, don't abdicate, abdicate your role as a leader. Um, we're really big into like leading as a team and that's important, but we're sort of, I think at a point where we're starting to forget that it's, it's actually a backlash against, I have a degree in leadership and there's about 70 years where we thought that leaders had inherent gifts and skills because we could identify clear leaders and we're like, well, why are they a leader? Then we went through about 30 years 20 years where we said, no, that's not true. Anybody can be a leader. Um, so there aren't real true leaders. And we're having this back and forth conversation in society. But truly, a leader is a person who has the ability to see something that needs to be done. And they are able to gather through their influence, their personal influence, enough people to go begin to attend to it. So we need those leaders to then walk 
walk forward with the group. So yeah, you got to go with people and you got to build the relational capital by listening and speaking truth with love. And as educators, we say this all the time that kids have to know that you care um, before they can really not only learn from you, but even want to learn from you. And, and I hear you saying the, the same thing, Zachary, even with adults. Well, yeah. I mean, I look around the room, no matter where I am, and I, and I go, you know, all these people were in grade school at some point with me, you know, <laughs> in, a, in, a meta, in, a, in a way, right? Yeah. Like, there's the kid who's, you know, hogging the basketball, and there's, there's the girl who cares a little bit too much about what's going on. You know, and every, we got all these personalities, but now we're just all adults, and we're all adulting. But, you know, <laughs> people are people, and, and, and they respond to the same things. Um, it's just, you know, now we got some more framework and rules about how we're allowed to talk to one another and relate. Um, but in each of those frameworks, you can still speak truth. You can still care about them, still create context with the limited amount or more that you get. It's up, you know, you just got to have the ability to recognize your circumstances and speak into them. So we've talked about tonight, you know, how to stay on target. We've talked about uh, ways to stay on target, creating goals, creating action steps, reflection, the power of positivity. During our chat on Saturday, uh, my partner in crime with Edge Gladiators Saturday chat, uh, Ryan Jackson, answered uh, one of your questions saying that, and he had a great visual, humans are 70% H2O. Like water, we're designed to take the path of least resistance. So we have to commit to goals so we can transcend. Right. What do you think about that? Yeah, it's a good, it's a good metaphor. Um, you know, so some people, there, there's an Eastern thought about like, well, I just, I just let the water flow around me or I float with the water like a jellyfish. Um, but then some people like, you know, we're goal oriented in this conversation. So it's like a salmon swimming upstream, right? It's got, it's got somewhere to go and it's not easy. Um, but when it gets there, you know, it, there's a good reward for that. So, so I think, I think it's a good answer. You know, I, we don't like to change. Change is tough. And sadly, the world around us is always changing. So it's always bringing its intensity upon us. Um, but if you just stay there, you aren't actually going to just stay there. You're actually going to move backwards or decay. The only way to grow and, and to be strong is to push against that current, against that, against that world that's pushing down and around you. And you'll begin to build the strength. You'll begin to attain new places. And, and people will be blessed by it. I think something that he's saying, um, the attrition, um, uh, or rather the, the component that, that, that goes with that is that people around you don't like change and they don't like it when you change. And you go, well, why? Why, why is it like if I say, oh, you know, I'm getting married. And everybody's like, oh, well, why? Oh, that's great. Or, you know, you get all kinds of mixed answers. Or if you have a job change and you're going to have to move, and they're like, oh, I'm so happy for you, but not really. And, and you go, well, why? <laughs> well, the answer is because their world, you're a part of it, and that part of it is now saying, I'm going to change. That means that now they think selfishly, my world's changing and I don't like that. So I will make this person a family member, a, you know, coworker or somebody, I, you know, some, somebody in my community group, they, they are changing. And therefore it's not for them. We get selfish and we go, gosh, 
Now my life is changing. I don't like that. So it's easier for me to try to tell them not to change so I don't have to deal with my life. Plus, when other people change in a positive way, it asks us to look inside and say, why am I not growing? Why am I not changing? And that's tough stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I, think, I think our goal setting, you're going to face those challenges of your community of folks that aren't necessarily for you at first. Um, but, you know, the funny thing is, is whenever you get where you're going to that next step, right, that next goal, those people are the first to go, oh, well, this is so great. I'm so happy for you. you know? Or I knew you could do it. <laughs> right, I knew you could do it. It's like, yeah. You know, in tonight's Impact Matters chat, I was able to pop in for a little bit and you were talking about uh, stigma. Yeah. And as we were, uh, as I was, you know, participating in the chat and thinking about our time together tonight, you know, I feel that there is a certain stigma in, uh, in goals and in, in setting your goals and, and creating right. that action plan. How do we, how do we move past that stigma of change basically? Yeah. So I think, um, so, so, okay. So to move past the stigma of change, the negative perception of change is to realize that one, you don't have a choice. The world we live in now does not afford us a choice. Some of that's tough to deal with, um, especially for folks that have been around on earth for a bit. Um, things didn't change as fast 30 years ago. But that is not the case today. And it's only going to get faster for a while. We may mellow out in about 15, 20 years when a lot of things kind of stabilize again. Technology will reach a point. You can only process stuff so fast. You can only achieve certain levels of efficiency. And then all of a sudden, people are just living regular life again. But for this next 10, 15 years, it's only going to spin up faster and faster. And so folks that are trying to hide from that it's not going to go well, right? So there is a negative stigma that they will place on those who are adopting this change, whether it's technology or, you know, doing a job differently or changing the way we educate our kids. Um, it's going to be tough for those folks. Um, but the way you get over a stigma is one by becoming educated, allowing yourself to understand what is going on. You don't have to agree with it, but if you understand it, your fears of what you think it could be or it might be go away. So a lot of it really just comes down to self. I always think it goes to the heart, right? Selfishness or, or fear. It's all about protection of this heart. And so a lot of this is I'm afraid of something that I don't understand. And if you educate yourself, then at least if you disagree, you're on stable footing to at least, okay, I know where I stand. And then the other thing is, um, and this goes with uh, the human side of it. Put yourself in situations where you can see the positive benefit from the thing you're afraid of, this change, this stigma. And then all of a sudden, um, then all of a sudden your perspective will become more educated, but your perspective becomes more positive. You know, and what I, it goes back to, let's go back just to the very beginning. When I meet somebody, I'm trying to figure out what it is that they are about. What do you love? Why do you do what you do? I'm trying to discover who are you as a two-year-old? Who are you as a 12-year-old kid? Who are you as a young adult? 
Um, regardless of your age, I'm trying to find out what is that person there. And when you discover what somebody loves and why they love it, then you can begin to understand um, how to love them and how to love this new changing scenario that you used to be afraid of. Um, so yeah, it, it's really, but that asks you to open your heart and asks you to put yourself out there, right? And that's mm -hmm. scary, but it's really rewarding. It's really rewarding. I've I've rarely faced negative consequences for being that kind of person. And, and I think if you, you know, if you have family or if you have friends or whomever that's trying to, you know, maybe stand in your way or, or bring up some of those, you know, you know, I don't want you to change. I think it's important to have enough confidence in yourself to know like, okay, I feel this is good for me and I'm going to take that leap of faith and I'm going to try it, you know? Oh, and, absolutely. And if it doesn't work, then I can, go back and, and try again, you know, make a few tweaks and try again. You know, Einstein said that, you know, the key to genius for him, as he understood it, was that he just didn't give up. I mean, essentially, and, and so that was something I picked up pretty early on is, is that, you know, when you think through tough stuff, a lot of folks just kind of give up or they get told no. And so um, they kind of give it a couple shots and they're done, right? So kids might try math problem a couple times. They're like, you know what? It's too painful to keep trying. It's more painful to keep trying than the pain that will be caused by getting this answer wrong. Right? Right. right. And, and, and so Einstein's kind of like, I don't know. I'd, I'd just rather chew on this for a bit. Right? And everybody said he was crazy. I, that's kind of an interesting thing. Like a lot of people, we look at Einstein now, we're like, oh, what a great guy. He was pretty, pretty awesome. But this guy was saying stuff that people were, you know, he – he arrived at a lot of his conclusions that we all take for granted now about the speed of light and all that and energy. He arrived at those things by just imagining. He wondered what would it be like if I was on a motorcycle riding next to a beam of light. So he mm -hmm. didn't get out, out his you know, chalkboard and start scribbling down math. He was thinking through this stuff like, well, what's my perspective? And a lot of people wondered, like, what in the world are you thinking about, man? And, and, and eventually he got around to chalkboarding it all out and had help doing that, but it took him like 10 years. So, you know, for, for us, as we're dealing with change, it's, it's allowing us to face failure companies. Um, the companies that continue to succeed are the ones that allow for failure. They don't demand a certain standard of success. They are willing to look towards success by going through the process of experimentation and failure. And, and to take it back to education, are we allowing our, our, our youth to work in environments where they're allowed to experiment and fail, right, towards success? Or are we saying, memorize this stuff, get it right, and now let's move on? Because to me, there's not a whole lot of like experimentation and learning and wondering. I don't have time to figure out why. I don't have time to wonder about what. All I need to know is X, Y, and Z, nail the test and move on to the next one. And that, that's a little scary, right? If, if the world I'm describing that's coming or is here. It's here. <laughs> we're, we're passing folks on into it. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, so... Uh, that that's a real challenge, and I, I admire groups like Edu Gladiators um, and a lot of the education chats because you're all you're all working on this issue together. You're collaborating together across departments, across education fields, 
up and down the stack, whether you're in second grade or you teach college math or whatever, you're coming together because you're change agents and you want to see your kids, you want to see the future succeed. And I love that. Absolutely. You know, when you mentioned Einstein, I'm, I've been watching this uh, Nat Geo. Yes. Um, I didn't the doc see that. You have to watch it. You have to watch it. For those of you that are listening, if you have not seen, it's called Genius on Nat Geo. I'm sure you can stream it either from the site or, uh, or from Hulu or whatever you might use to um, to watch any past episodes. This is like a must see because just what you were saying, Zach, because he, because he thought of things and he imagined and he literally wanted time to just think. That's what he wanted to do, to just think about these problems. It was really hard because, of course, school was very regimented back then, even more so than what we've ever experienced. And he was considered an, an outsider and, and not, not for what he brought to the table, but admonished for disrupting the status quo. I, you know, I experienced, I did not fit in school. Like I, when I was in grade school, I realized that I wanted to homeschool my kid even before I knew what that was. And because my education experience wasn't going that great, I was, I was so bored. And then I got two teachers in fifth and sixth grade, and one in particular, Dana Butler, and she was experimenting with the new education pattern. And so they took fifth and sixth grade, so they'd start out with one class, and they walked them through the last two years of, of grade school. And she taught uh, English, and she took us from the entire writing process. She taught us how to do um, how to do. Um, uh, communication methods, how to round robin, how to whiteboard, how to brainstorm, how to complete a book, all kinds of things. But in this process of having two years, she allowed creativity. She allowed experimentation, right? And I learned so much in those two years that when I went to middle school, I was so bored out of my mind. I literally would just go in and put my head on a desk and wait for the period. And I think I had like a 1.4 GPA. <laughs> and it didn't get much better. It didn't get much better in high school until I realized I had to graduate. But like, um, I got to tell you, like, the teachers like Dana that would give me a chance, right, to grow, to like experiment. That's where I I found joy in, in my education. Um, and so if you're out there and you're taking risks and you're wondering, you know, is this going to pay off with my administration because I'm taking a different tack on school? Um, I know that those those people that did that in my life were what kept me going. Um, otherwise, I think I would have dropped out. Absolutely. We have one last question, Zachary. This has been sure. so fun. We have one this last question in our chat, and it's from Corey. Uh, Corey, thanks for asking these uh, great questions. He asks, when do you quit pushing a rock up the hill? Maybe seek a new rock or a new hill. In other words, how do you know when to stop investing? Oh. Yeah, that's a great question. <clears throat> so I think I think it's important, at least for me. I come from a place, and this is my faith background, so I won't preach it to anybody, but this is like how I answer it. So I believe that there's it's always okay to self-sacrifice so long as you're doing it for the right reason. So in other words, achieving success outwardly may never actually happen. But so long as you're doing it for the right reason, you are welcome to it. And I believe you'll be rewarded for it. 
right? At the end, in, in other ways, and perhaps, you know, in an eternal sense. Like, I think that there, um, sometimes we think that success is because you actually achieved, like, hey, we got the, the entire school curriculum changed and we're doing it different now. Um, well, it might change, it just might change in three generations. Right. That doesn't mean you were a failure. Um, now, when is it time to pivot? If you're looking to see some incremental success, if you want to see that rocket pushed up. Well, I would say if you've exhausted the relationships and your ambassadors, the people that you have influence with that also want to see change, if you've exhausted that and you realize that coming from within out isn't going to achieve success, but rather you need to come along from the side by working with maybe an, um, you know, a para organization, right? A nonprofit perhaps that's, you know, job is to disrupt education or to go with a tech company or, or maybe you need to go and uh, go uh, as a thought leader, right? And say, hey, I just had this experience. It was really challenging. Now I'm gonna write a book and go speak. You know, so that's, that, that's when you realize you've exhausted your internal resources and you don't see an inflow. You don't see any leadership support at all. In which case, then don't give up on the concept, just attack it from a different angle. Well, and you know what? I'll add to that, Zachary. Also, also understand that success looks differently. So your idea of success of a goal may be, uh, may be different than what that success actually is, but it doesn't mean that you weren't effective um, in trying to sure. reach your goals as well. I, and I love what you said about uh, making sure you're doing it for the right reasons. So. For those of you that are listening in live or watching the replay, Zachary and I were talking before we went live tonight, and he's we're Facebook friends as well, and so he he gets to keep up with the progress of of my boys. Yeah, uh, and one of the things that um, their dad and I talk about often is that um, you know sometimes our our success again might be incremental in our lifetime, but because we're working towards that and we have that mindset that it manifests, manifests itself in our kids. So sure. for instance, um, you know, my husband, he was not able to um, maybe get all the offers that, you know, my son, one of my sons have right now uh, because he was a small, coming from a small town, Louisiana, and, you know, everything went through your coaches and he still was able to have a great education um, for free based on uh, his ability to play, play uh, baseball. And I would always remind him, but it's because of that journey that he went through that if he keeps, you know, sharing this with the boys and, and helping them understand and, and, and groom them outside of just playing their sport, that when it's their time, he'll see his, his success through them. And he's seeing that right now. And that's what makes me like super, super happy as a mom um, is because I see them living out, um, not only what they have dreamt of doing playing their sport of choice, but um, what my journey and my mindset, how that has played into these opportunities coming forth for them. And so this is, yes, absolutely. This is a concept of pioneering. Yes. So whenever, whenever you're a pioneer, that is you're the first into a situation. Oftentimes um, the, there is no road. And you're, you're breaking through and you're discovering it and you have the courage and the willingness and the faith and go through all the trials and tribulations of doing that. But you oftentimes won't get the success that those will, those folks that will get that will come after you. This happens in business. 
you might have been the first to develop the computer, but two or three others came along behind you, said, oh, we could do that. Let's do it 10 times better. And then they get the financial reward. You got the joy of pressing into a reality and building something that had never been built. You got to lay the groundwork for those who would ever come after you, right? Absolutely. And you got a different kind of joy. You didn't come in monetary form, probably. Didn't come in all the uh, invitations to go do this and that. But you got to be there. You got to see the crest. You got to see the forward uh, moment. And you get the joy, right, of seeing, in your case, your kids. And, and that's really as teachers, if you're doing this and you see the reality I was describing happening out in the business technology world, and you are taking a risk by uh, taking some time from your syllabus and curriculum to engender some of these creative moments, to give them opportunities to fail when the system doesn't want them to fail. If you're doing that, it may be a thankless moment now, but when they're 25 or 30 and employed, right? Yeah. yeah. That is the moment where you're going to be smiling because they're set up for the world that is and, com- and is coming. Absolutely. My, uh, my last mom story. Um, so yesterday, as, as my uh, oldest son is finishing up his school year, they're taking finals and he'll be a senior next year and he has all these opportunities. Uh, we were just wrapping up dinner and, and I was just on my computer and, and he passed by and gave me a hug and mm. you know, he just thanked me. He just stopped giving me a hug and he said, thank you for an amazing childhood. Like, oh. I feel so prepared oh, oh, did that to take the next step. Oh, yeah, and I'm not a crier, but I was like, ah. <laughs> you know? and, and I asked him, I said, did you, you really had a great childhood? Because he's, he's about to be 18, you know, and he's bigger than I am, and he could pick me right. up. And, and he was like, Mom, why would I not have had a great childhood? You guys have been everything, and it's been the best, and I feel ready. I feel ready for whatever, whatever my next looks like at whatever wow. school. And and same as a teacher, you know, when our kids come back to visit and, and visit us after they've graduated or after they've left our building uh, and to talk about, you know, what their accomplishments are, to me, goal has been met. Goal has been exceeded. Yes. And they can come back and do that. So, yeah, it's awesome. Oh, my gosh. I just have chills right now. I love, I love, love, love speaking with you, Zachary. And thanks, everyone, that tuned in live today. And if you're watching the replay as well, definitely share uh, share out the link. The replay will be open and, and, and share with your network and your friends because, you know, staying on target is about all those things. It's about yep. it's about having goals, it's about having dreams, uh, setting goals to reach those dreams, reflection, staying on target, pushing past those challenges and understanding that uh, success comes in lots of forms. And and long as we are successful and our kids, if your teachers are successful, you know, that is that is the ultimate goal because we're we're team kids, you know. And uh, I just thank you, Zachary, so much for for leading our chat on Saturday and, and speaking with us all tonight. You bet. It's pure joy. I love it. <laughs> hey, Zachary, how can others follow along with Impact Matters and follow along to what you're doing or maybe if you're speaking somewhere or are doing other cool things, how can they follow along with you? Sure, so I think the world's biggest group chat is on Twitter. And I know there's a <laughs> lot of noise on Twitter, and alone, but if you connect with the folks that are actually talking, it's great. Um, so that's the first place, and it's just my name right down there at the bottom, Zachary Jeans, one word. And literally just say, hey, you know, saw you on uh, Edu Gladiators, or you know, had another question, wondered, 
Um, that's it. That's a really easy way. I'm very going to respond right away. Um, another way is just reach out by email. It, again, it's just my name at Gmail. And uh, yeah, I do. I speak. I speak at tech conferences. I, I work with businesses. I come in and do. Um, I can come in and uh, and talk to folks and help you walk through what you're going through. Um, a lot of what we do is just uh, it's leadership, right? It's just helping you walk through these challenges and thinking through your situation. So I'm happy to think with you. Happy to think with you out loud and and yeah, just enjoy the journey into this crazy world that we're in. Absolutely. Thank you again, Zachary. And thank all of you for joining in tonight live or watching the replay. This Saturday, Edge of Gladiators is on break for the holiday. And we will return in, on June 3rd. We'll turn on June 3rd. And we are approaching Edge of Gladiators for our summer months, Ed Camp style, in that uh, we have different, uh, different folks, some of our core warriors for Edge of Gladiators that will be leading the chats for the summer on topics that they're passionate about. Also, uh, some great, great warriors have reached out and asked, how can I get involved with Edge of Gladiators? How can I do this? How can I lead this? And so um, we have a summer filled with some amazing guest, ho guest hosts from our core warriors and to some of our our warriors each Saturday that are really stepping up in the arena and, and talking about ed topics that they're passionate about so we can continue to usher in this new era of leadership, of engagement, and of course, advocacy for our students and also for our profession based on what's best for kids. Thank you again for joining us tonight. Thank you again, Zachary. And uh, we will see everyone back on June 3rd. Thank you.